How are you, We're Chris? Right. Yeah, awesome. Man, thank you very much for making it today. Well, we've got some good, good cheese and some excellent wine as well, so that's good. How's work? How's business, man? Good, it's mate. It's starting to pick up, actually. Um, yeah. And uh, Is it starting to pick up or are you starting to pick up? I think a bit of both. <laughs> I think a bit of both. Um, I've had a few call-ins recently to myself, um, you know, just from work I've done in the past. But also I've seen the team, a bit of a change in the team. We had a, a Zoom meeting last week. And I think we were missing that, um, sort of, the, for want of a better word, that laser focus on really hunting those listings down. Um, instead of farming, instead of doing the 50, um, being active being productive and finding the listing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the big change and shift in mindset that you helped with the team and with myself and Rob. Yeah. And I think that changes. How were they how were they when they found out I was on that Zoom meeting with them? And no, they were good because they were pre- they were, they were told previously that we'd be having a Zoom meeting oh, with you I on see, that I Wednesday. See, so they were already yeah, they'd already t- yeah, told They changed the diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I did scare the shit out of them. I said, oh, Zoom's been cancelled. Thomas is coming in." They've got what? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's still a Zoom meeting. Did you know, I want to get come to offices? But for the moment, we 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 just coming out of this COVID, and, yeah. and it's still not we we're still not clear, you know. Yeah. So I thought, no, 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 Zoom is is still what they they asking. You imagine that you you go and then you struck down, or they got someone, and and and, and or, or you contaminate them, which is even worse. Yeah. You know? And you feel really guilty about the damn office. Before we talk, uh, let's have a look at this Hemira Estate again. This time we're having the 2017 Shiraz. Again, this is a beautiful wine that's been given to us. We've we spoke about them quite a bit already in the last two podcasts. People who want to buy and get 20% off, Wise 20 is, is the code that they have to put in. But definitely, it's a winery that I got to know. I really got to like the prices are just really good. Yeah, I've tasted wines that, I mean, I just came back from a weekend in, in the Hunter Valley. Mate, I've tasted wine that were three, four times the price of this Emira estate. Yeah. And there was not, not much of a difference. Right. And so for the price that they really offer, I, I don't even understand how they make a living. It's an amazing thing. They were very generous. I think they sent us six bottles. Six bottles, yeah. And I think this is the last one we've That's got. That's the last right? one, yeah. Uh, so, Fumira, you're listening uh, and you want to. <laughs> but yeah, they've been. I, we haven't had a bad wine, a no. bad wine from them. No, it's an amazing um, thing. Last week's red that we had was absolutely outstanding. Capsav, yeah. The that Capsav. Capsav was really, really good. So, we'll see how this goes. It's a Shiraz this time. Yeah, in 2017. So, let's have a look. So generally, I'm not a big Shiraz fan. I, if it's Shiraz, I like to have a bit of age behind it because it mellows a little bit. I'm usually a Capsaf guy, but um, I've never been disappointed with the Himera But you'd yet. be amazed, and this this will be an anecdote for you. Um, when I went back to Belgium and visited my family last time, I was in, in that belief that, you know, the older the wine, the, the better, yeah. especially European wines. And my brother-in-law said to me, no. Thomas, where I'm going to take you now, you will see that the best rated wines are actually 2016, 17. Okay. He said, don't go any further than that. No apps talk about the wines older than that. Apparently those were the big years. And, and, and so really it smashed the preconceived concept in my mind yeah. that the older the wine, the better. Yeah. You know, m- most people, they go into bottle shops and yes, you don't want to buy a bottle of 2020 and think that you're going to impress a lot of people now. Right. But unless you're really buying a Grange Hermitage uh, or maybe a St. Henry, or, you know, 
there's no point going for 20, 30 year wines because it's probably past the curve. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the curve, for want yeah, of a better word. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Let's see how we go today. That's nice, Shiraz. Yeah, see? That's good. Mm. A bit of pepper there, but still good. Oh, that's nice. Man, at Hemira, they're doing something good. good so let's stuff, go man. back to then the, the Zoom meeting that we had. There was a feeling for me when, they were, when, when we were talking about the team that they lacked that spark in them. Mm. And so when I started that, I went the uh, attitude direction straight away because for me, unless you really kickstart, it's a little bit like some of these machines, unless you get the choke and really start the engine, uh, no team's going to perform at maximum level that day. You know? yeah. And so once that started and they could really talk about them, I could see a big change. I could see people who were... Uh, sitting there no longer talking about oh, I'm going to make a certain amount of calls, number of calls. They were talking about I'm going to go out there and get this result. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and get that many appointments. Yes? Yeah. And I think it was focusing on, as you said, focusing on just the result was a failure of mine. Not Sorry, focusing on the numbers, not so much the result was a failure of mine over weeks and whatever, saying, guys, I need your 50 done or get me your appointments. And not... Changing that word around, going, guys, go get me three appointments. And I think that that was a, a sort of big learning curve for me, that specific Zoom, where I know you focused it at the two guys, but the amount I got out of it, and I'm standing, I'm going to flip that thinking um, and replace that activity for productivity uh, and really get those guys hunting. And that afternoon, one of the guys went home with a uh, with three listing appointments. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, um, the other one went home with, I think he got a listing, his first listing, and um, we, the other one got, I think, a couple of listing appointments as well. So it was a productive day after that Zoom meeting. So it's a, just that attitude training and the, I think change in focus that we were lacking um, was a huge difference, huge, huge difference. Uh, the question I had for you is, though, that... You know, when we have that expectation on our on our members, on our on our team, to you know, go get your three listing appointments, I want your three listing appointments. They don't get it. Is it then then a requirement? You need to do your fifty, or then say, well, how how hard do they work? Do we need to take that judgment and be a little bit uh, lenient, or do we do you know put a little bit more pressure on? Which way should we go then? To get the best answer, you always have to think of them as if they were your children. Okay, Sebastian. If he came up to you and, and you saw him doing his best, yeah. but he didn't get that 50. Yeah. I'd kill him if I smashed him and I'd kill him. I know that because he's a, a mirror image of me. I understand <laughs> that. So, And Isabella, she's the opposite. If she didn't do the 50, I said, well, go and do your 50 because you know you can get one. And she would. Yeah. Because um, she's pig-headed like a mum. So yeah. she's working out. So I think that <laughs> that is what, what, is, what is important. Okay. <clears throat> is that we understand the psychology of each of our people. For example, Jean-Pierre is pretty solid. Yeah, man, he's, the kids. For, for a young guy, he, he's solid. I can just give him a big threat. And for him, it's no big deal. No. <laughs> he knows Thomas. He's grown up with Thomas. He's known me from when he was just a few years old. So he knows I, I have very high standards. And if I'm going to talk to him a certain way and I want something, I, he, he has to deliver. So being tough on him, there was no problem. But <clears throat> Joseph, I didn't know him very well. Yeah. And Jana, I, I, I knew of her, and I knew Jana. She likes to be tough, but it's a very soft yes. uh, inside. And so it was important for me to prop her up. 
yeah. and, and really work with her by saying, listen, which is the truth. I, I think that lady's got everything to be a monster. Yeah. Yeah. But she just has to cross those few hurdles first, especially, I mean, th- this poor girl just started and then suddenly the next day, COVID-19 <laughs> just happened, you know? So for the last two or three months, she hasn't really been in a team environment by one day. Yeah. And so you can't really go that heavy. Okay. And, and I think that that's the bit about the leadership that we have to give people. It's that it's not a leadership, I am this, and it's one for all. But it's the leadership that is so uh, flexible that gets you to understand what's the demons I'm working with. What's the three demons? What's the, the picture of their self? Where they're heading? What's the aspiration? What's the goal? How, how are they feeling right now? When you get all of that, then I think that as a leader, you... You have the ingredients to make the best recipe that fits them. Yeah, okay. And this is sort of hopefully the, the path I was taking, but unfortunately the lack of focus on the result, which you flipped for us, um, and for me now has been the big realisation. And I think yesterday I messaged you yesterday after we had a, you zoomed in on our leader manager meeting. The biggest thing for me, which has helped, and it maybe helped a lot of other people, is the instant feedback. Um, because I can know, okay, where I've gone well and where I've gone wrong, what I need to rectify straight away and what I need to work on over time. And for me, that was a huge help. So like yesterday, so we, we I attended your, your sales meeting first yeah. and then we had the uh, leaders' managers meeting between yeah. you and Robert. Yeah. yeah. So try and say it again. What, 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 you, what you said? So, so your, your feedback from that meeting... Oh, to, I see. Okay. Your feedback to me from that meeting was instantaneous. Instant. Instant feedback. For me... I don't know if I'm a little bit slow on the uptake, but for me, it was it's very good to know. Okay, I remember saying that. I know what exactly what he's talking about. So moving forward, I can now catch myself and rectify those things. Right. Um, and like a big one was Rob and I would again. It was very much like asking for the numbers. We were too blasé about aiming for figures for the month, not for the week, not for the day, not for the week. And I think that. Dissecting the month down into those smaller portions and focusing on those smaller portions, knowing the picture that you want to achieve, but dissecting and look at those portions day by week, by you know fortnight, I think it's going to help us now move forward because instead of wishy-washy sales manager meetings, we can have more targeted. Yes, I understand. More refined meetings. And that was great feedback. I, I've probably heard that you say that before, but getting that feedback straight away helped me immensely. That was great feedback for me. No, I thought that you did uh, two bloody good meetings. Uh, I think that leaders' managers' meeting was a very good one too. <clears throat> Sometimes, though, a leaders' managers' meeting is a session where people are trying to re- give each other a recap of what they see, and that's not the meeting. The meeting is not about giving each other's recap because, really, if you want that, you look at the TCD, you'd know. You look at the diary system, you'd know. Uh, I think it is more or less about a duel between the two of you about how we're going to reach that target, okay. isn't it? So yeah. and, and I think it, it was very important to see that. What, what I think was very important, um, and this is why I always try to uh, f- do a quick follow-up yeah. after a meeting like uh, the one on Friday, is to see what's working, what's not working. Yeah. You know? And sometimes sitting down, and I knew on Friday, yeah, there's stress for you too, because y- you're probably thinking, oh, what is he going to see? And... It's a normal thing, man. Uh, everyone's got a bit of ego pride. I have one, everybody has one, and you, I've got a bigger one than most people. You know, and I'm going to stop you for a second. You yeah. know what? Because you're, you're on point, but I'll tell you how 
I see it now because things have changed, right? When three, four, five years ago, I was petrified of you walking into the office because I felt um, sometimes like a, there's a actually a symptom. You know, you've you've got a job and you don't deserve it. I can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember the name. It's actually a it's actually proven thing anyway. Um, now I, I I don't look at it that way anymore. Right. I, I don't see that. I don't have that worry about, oh, Thomas is coming into the office or Thomas is going to... I don't have that anymore because um, I know that your agenda is to improve me. Your agenda is there's no nothing hidden. I won't get... I might get told what to do and what I'm doing right or wrong, but at the end of it, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I've got no scars from it. I can move forward and it's for the betterment of myself. But I've grown into that. I wasn't that two, three, four years ago. And that's the truth of it. So now you coming into a Zoom meeting or a leader manager meeting, I'm like, okay, all right, what am I going to learn this time? Yes, there's obviously still a little bit of uh, what am I doing wrong because um, that's human nature. But it, it's gone past that now and I find it so much more beneficial. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing is looking into that and thinking about our last conversation from a, a couple of weeks ago was why wasn't I calling you? Remember we had the conversation a couple yeah. of times? Why wasn't I calling? Yeah. And then I really didn't get the chance to call. You just said, well, I'm Zooming in. And it's like a, a revelation that this is, I should have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, one of, one of the things too, um, why I'm talking about this is that when we were having the sales meeting, I did not really talk to you. I, I really talked to the team. I did not want any hint of criticism that could go from the team to you yeah because by doing if i had to do that it's amplifying the criticism because i'm not just criticizing you or telling you about something that you forgot to do i'm telling five people who are in the room you see it but where i saw a little bit of barriers coming up was when we attempted to do one-on-one before you had to run out to a meeting and I could feel it, even though it was a Zoom. And usually if I'm in the room, I feel it's like fast. But even though it was in a Zoom, I could see some body language from you that was, hold on. I would have preferred to be in the Zoom meeting. <laughs> but I had a listing appointment, yeah. which was a guarantee. So old customer. So I had to go. And I had booked that in from the week yeah. prior. You're giving me your time. So I felt, no, I've got to piss off, go to this listing appointment. And Thomas mm-hmm. has given me his time. That's where I felt uncomfortable. And you're right. You're right in the feeling because I did. I was uncomfortable yeah. asking, but I had to go. Yeah, I understand. I think uh, from the uh, meeting that we had then uh, yesterday between uh, Rob and you, the, the two of you need to give each other the permission to tell the truth or what you see, yep. not gift wrap it. Yep. The, the problem is a lot of time messages, by the time they have been unwrapped, are no longer the message. It's totally different. So wasting your time gift wrapping something is only going to do two things. It wastes the other person's time having to unwrap it. And sometimes they uh, totally miss the message because now they had to listen to the next part of your conversation. But I thought it was a great meeting. Hopefully now up to you to take over the button and run with them. You know, keep that energy going. It is difficult. And I'm sure other sales managers out there have that issue. They've got their own issues and then coming to work and having that high energy when you're about to train a team and so forth, I think it does get hard sometimes. And finding things to keep them excited about learning. One thing I've done recently is because during COVID, we didn't have a lot of opens. Yeah, We're still working Saturdays. I said to the team, find a video that you want to share with the team, bring it in, and we'll play it mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning. 
So uh, that brings in their involvement. And Jana shared one the other day about Chris Voss, the um, FBI negotiator. Amazing video. Amazing video. And we all got something out of it. And then we shared what we got out of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm finding that's working well as well. I'll tell you where I'm, I'm struggling though, because I, you know, you like to, you like the struggle. You don't like the good. You like the struggle. I know yeah. you saw me that. I'm struggling. I'm struggling trying to get these guys to help themselves out of hours with their own education. So whether it's reading or podcasts or uh, association or whatever it may be, I'm struggling to try and motivate these guys to read half an hour, 15 minutes, whatever it may be, to do something for themselves. Is that something, I know you say don't motivate people, hire motivated people, mm-hmm. but I feel that I want it more for them than they want it for themselves sometimes. What, what do I do with that? How, how do I handle that? Or how do I help them to see the benefit? Yeah. So you want to get them to read books? Not only books, whatever it may be. Whether it's leading, listening to a podcast, not necessarily yeah. our podcast, yep. but listening to a podcast or whatever it may be. To Now, if they listen to this podcast, they're going to know what, what you're doing. Th- that's right. fine because it's not, no secrets, man. I tell it to their face. You yeah, know? That's good. I can't do their push-ups let's for Im- them. Let's imagine. Let's take the example you want them to read more books. Yep. I can only share with you what worked with me, okay? Uh, up until the age of 18, I probably only read one book. Mm-hmm. And the book I read was because the teacher for 30 years had been reading that same book. So to pass the exam, I had to know what it was talking about. But um, any other books I had to read, I used to read the first 10 pages, the last 10 pages, and I'd, I'd make up whatever is in between. <laughs> and I was smart enough to pick a book that I knew no teachers worth a grain of salt would ever read, meaning they, d- they didn't know the book I was reading. But when I came to Australia, uh, I had a leader who would wake me up and would read just two paragraphs with me. And after he'd read the two paragraphs, he would just explore the two paragraphs with me. And then he would challenge me to use it in my life. And... Within a short while, the guy really made me fall in love with books. And so what it is, is that sometimes people don't do the things that they are either wary of or don't know the benefit or don't even know about. And it needs someone to take them by the hand and show them. Same thing as I talk about leadership and your children. What do you do with your children if you were going to really teach them the love of bonsai? Do you tell them, get your own tree and do it? Do you take them with you and work on the tree? Yeah, okay. And then as you work on the tree, do you then explain to them what you see and how you see that that branch coming up and how you want to um, form or shape that branch? You know, so I think that in a lot of things that we do, the love that we want to pass on to people has to be a show and tell. Yeah, okay. Okay. You know, the same way that when you were in the meeting, for me to just pick that thing that happened instantly yeah. and then try and fix it straight away, that was a show and tell. Yeah. And so that is with uh, growth. But maybe also have to you have to remember, uh, people are not always on growth. I think that when you're 19, I think, or how old is he? Yeah, yeah. Jampiero. Man, the chemical is about three foot from the ground. 
So reading a book, you, you need to get blood about six foot up first. It has to go to that brain first. But when that, when the brain is about three foot from the, mate, it, it, that that brain can't read books. He's um yeah he's he's a special guy, John Piero. But uh, it's the team in general, you know. And I I've gone to the extent where, you know, I've given them copies of your book and um sat down and read a couple of paragraphs, but I haven't dissected it. I haven't gone really in and sat down and, and maybe that's what I need to do. And, I, and not just your book. I think there's a few books that I'd like to share with them um, that will help us move forward with that. Yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. I was trying to link uh, some of their goals to it. So I was trying to link um, you know, some of their goals are to, to try and get their mums to stop working. Uh, one of their goals are. Another one is uh, to, you know, to save a good deposit for a property and so forth. Um, and their goals, I've, I, they, they gave them to me, not vice versa. So I was trying to link link it to that, um, and I felt like I was missing the target, and I couldn't find the connection between the two as strong as I would like to find it. Uh, but saying it the way you've said it probably allows them to find that connection themselves later on. But sometimes, you know, the goal it has to be the goal they badly want. So a lot of people feed their leaders and managers goals that they think the leaders or manager wants to hear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you have to foster that environment where people really want to bring their deeper secret. Like this week, I mean, I've been really honored with a secret that a salesperson shared with me. He'd been working around that office for years and has never told anyone in the office. And for me, that that is a huge thing. Yeah. That that's a beautiful thing to receive that, uh, you know, from a salesperson. And, and so you have to really foster that environment where people can really tell you the real goal. Now the other thing, mate, I spoke t- this week to a, a, a young leader who didn't really have too much of a goal, and he didn't really even comprehend the difference between a goal saving and a goal getting. Him and his partner wanted to get to save some money by the end of the year. So their goal was to put so much aside every week. And around in the middle of our discussion, I said to him, you in a business that can really get you $200,000 in your own pocket at the end of this year. And I said to him, and it's still not too late. You can still get that. Now, you are you going to focus on the goal getting so that you can then buy a house. How does it feel to have your own house and live in it? Or are you going to really save a few hundred bucks a week and think that it's going to get you somewhere? And so when we were really going through this question, my job is to question the logic. Because you see, he was listening to me probably thinking, oh yeah, yeah, goal of buying a house and getting a deposit for the house. But deep Within, he was going for a goal of saving. And really, if I was to count right, the two of them saving together, they probably would save something like uh, 20 grand by the end of this year. That's still one-tenth of what he could do if he really went all out. And after we had spoken about all this, this young leader went out there and got two listings that same day, worth $8 million. Yeah, so, so, so the $8 million in sales to happen. Wow. I think that that's the kind of discussion we have to really have. We have to give somebody else the opportunity to really question our logic with our goals. And until people do that, it doesn't matter. You can try and motivate people to read books and listen to podcasts and grow. 
if growth is not important for them, if growth is not something that they see why, the why behind, yeah. it doesn't matter, Chris. Okay. We're wasting our time. Okay. Man, I, I noticed, what is it? You, you, you brought some chili jam today. Yeah, um, I've got a, uh, everyone knows I've got an Italian background, but my brother-in-law um, has got a very good background of <laughs> making great food. His brother's a chef. His mum's probably the, one of the best Italian cooks I know. And um, he actually made this chili jam, and I tell you what, it is it is amazing. And uh, but but you say it has to go with cheese. That, that's uh, crazy. I'm, I've never had chili you, with cheese. I've bought this the pegarino with truffle in it. Try that with the bread and a bit yeah. of chili jam. I'm telling you, mate, you will. It is absolutely unreal. I, I was actually eating it last night at home yeah. <laughs> after dinner. So I bought you that um, oh, take yeah. home. It is unbelievable. There's a, a bit of a, a bit of a fire in it, but just a beautiful, sweet combination of the flavour and the cheese and. Mm. Oh man! Told you, mate. He was yeah. the one that put me. He goes, eat it with cheese. He goes, have it with a nice cheese, a nice strong, like a, a parmesan or a pecorino. Nice. But I think it also go well with this. Uh, what is this cheese that you bought? The soft one. That's a French brie. I so it's it's really melting because we know all cheese has um, has to be taken uh, off the fridge at least half an hour before you co- you consume it. So some cheese, if they're young, maybe even an hour. But that that is crazy. It's good flavor, huh? Man, what a what a uh, week since uh, George Floyd last week. <laughs> we were starting our first spin busters kind of uh, podcast, and man. Our, and our prediction come true the very that very afternoon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of things happened. Um, I I still can't believe. I, I think that the world has been reshaped by that event, and I think that a lot of people probably would have understood now. There's a, there's enormous amount of spin within the media about so many things we're going to have to be really careful we we are consuming information left right and center and sometimes we decide to to take that and maybe we ought to sit down and listen to what the uh, retired general Colin Powell was saying we need to really use common sense and really see whether it's logical what what they portraying in the news before we believe it you know we spoke about this last week about the news providers, whether they're NBC or Fox News or whatever. They've all got their own agenda. Yep. Or every, they all got their own agenda. Even um, the Guardian or Sydney Morning Herald, they've all got their own agenda. And to be able to see through that, read past it, read between the lines, an old expression, read between the lines. I think it's something that's lost on a lot of people for the fact that they don't take the time to think. They don't slow down and go, well. What, why is that the case? What, why is it that Queensland haven't opened up their borders? Why is it that Twitter now is making accusations to Trump? Why did the Victorian Premier make that deal with uh, China? Yeah. Sit down and actually look at the real reasons. Don't take their word for it. I mean, seriously. I mean, does, does everyone watch the Channel 9 News and take it as gospel? Well, they, uh, they think that they uh, are the truth. Is it because people don't have time or they're just happy to, they're lazy and they don't want to put that effort in? Listen, man, these days the, the, the amount of information is so plentiful that people don't have to make that kind of decision anymore. They just consume. We used to be uh, information seeker and, uh, and try to understand and decipher it. We're now really information consumer. Yeah. 
we, we just take that in out. That's it. Uh, what I think the, uh, the the key that we have to really put it and, and spin it around sales is this. Sellers, there are sellers out there who would sit down with real estate agent and believe everything they say. So the real estate agent would make certain claims and the sellers would accept it. I think that it's the same thing when it comes to these kind of news we're talking about. Yeah. Is that, you know, no, if you're a really smart seller, if you understand that it's taken you five years to save for the deposit, you want a little, little bit more than just a few words to make up your mind, you know? And sometimes you can be tricked by some easy spin. A real estate agent comes to you and say, I've sold five houses in this street. He asks some of the questions. Have you bothered going around checking with those five sellers or buyers whether you were happy with that person's service? I, I, I used to say to people, don't worry about the five sold by stickers in your street. I wish that all sold buys had something like this instead, sold for $20,000 more than what I was promised. The next sold by stickers sold for $60,000 less than what I was told. Because then now you've got better information to make up your mind. Yeah. And I think that you know, that's the kind of things that we have to go out there and spin. And I think as a real estate agent, Cameron said it very well last week, we're not just real estate agent. We, also, we first people before we're real estate agent. And so we have to be conversed in so many other topics that are important to our life. Real estate is only eight hours of our life. And so if we open our mouth only to talk about real estate, then maybe there's a huge chunk of our personal life that goes by without us having the opportunity to comment yeah. about or talk about it. And, you know, when we go into our owners, I think I think we're, it's remiss of us if we don't connect with our owners with our own personal life because that builds connection. Yeah. It builds rapport, um, number one. Number two, I think uh, you mentioned it recently about with social media, share your real life. People want to know you're a real person, not just you're a real estate agent. True? Yeah. So moving forward, I mean, I think uh, showing that honesty of yourself, that you're vulnerable, that you're truth, and the fact that there's no facade, there's transparency there in what you're showing people. So, you know, I've sold five, you know, someone says, I've sold five houses in this street. Okay, but you've been in real estate 20 years. Is that over 20 years or is that this year? What's the story? Because we can adjust the news to suit ourselves. And that's asking those deeper questions and sharing that information with our owners, I think we'll get a, a lot further in real estate and being people first. I was talking to Imogen Kalista, and she's pretty big in uh, social media and branding. What she said to me was that people these days are so interested in your own life, not just the things that you do. And so... When you go to a seller and talk, it's not just about the sales. If people don't really give you that trust, it doesn't matter about the sales. Yeah. If they trust you more than the other guy, he can have 10 sales in the street. They, she won't, they won't go with them. So it's about you getting that trust. Now, in order to get that trust, we, we also have to really know when people are spinning us. And, and I think that that article, or at least that subject last week, was pretty big for us. However, it's gone a little bit overboard in some of these countries. I, I think that the problem 
was a very simple simple problem. We talked about a mix of a lot of things, of uh, isolation, creating a need for people to gather and go out there and bust a few rules. Uh, there's a, a thing about the um, uh, racism. There's a thing about power abused by the police. So there was a cocktail. There's you, a lot. You, you can't just say it's one thing. The people who say it's one thing, I think they're the wrong ones. And and I think that there's a lot of spin now that's come out from that. Suddenly from there you have people who now in Australia went out and protest. I, I think that was wrong, man. I agree uh, with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, but let, let, let's do let's do one just based on that where you agree to the fact that they shouldn't and I would go for the opposite. That they should. So that, yeah. Okay. So, so, so at Here least we, we that would be a, a good That's uh, fine. A good spin. Do you remember a few podcasts ago? When I was Pauline Hansen's right-hand man, well, <laughs> this is the next one here. Now, episode two, right? So what if I said, well, you know, we are taking advantage of that situation to, because it's a sensitive subject right now. And so right now is the time for us to stuff the COVID restrictions, but to go out there and tell Australians that we are unhappy about race in, and, and, and police abuse in, in Australia. I would say to you, I agree with you. And I agree with you, it's, uh, it's, it's um, a, a very important topic that you need to go out and, and share with the, the community. However, you're, you're putting too many people at risk at this time, including those that you want to protect. And I think you need to understand the fact that we will support you and, and help you with this moving forward, want to voice your concerns when it's an appropriate time to do that. At the moment, you understand what's going on in the community, um, in the world, not the community, the world. Um, so we need you just to have um, have your protest verbally, whether it's online or whichever, but we can't have a, you know, a public gathering. And I think that's the way it's got to be. But the spin is that there's nothing better than the public using protest. the heat of the moment, using the sensitivity of the subject. And so if I was to do it in a month, Nobody would give a shit. Where right now, the entire world consciousness is about, it's true that it was unfair. It's true that there's a lot of things that happens that are not fair. In the justice system, in the police system, in the political system. And so I, I want to use that sensitivity right now. I can appreciate that. At the end of the day, you've got to appreciate the fact that we want to keep you safe. We want to keep everyone safe. And coming from the government side, some uh, states still have their borders closed for whatever reason. Uh, but our concern is not spreading this virus and shutting our economy down even further, which will increase employment. Um, we don't want to stop your, para uh, your parade or protest, whatever you want to call it, but we need to do it at an appropriate time. Mm -hmm. Now it's not an appropriate time. The spin on this is... Guys, we need to keep you safe. Here's another spin for you, man. I run a restaurant and the Court of Appeal has allowed now these protesters to go and demonstrate in New South Wales. Do you know what? Stuff the fine. I'm reopening my restaurant and I'm allowing 200 people in my restaurant. What do you say now? Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a hard one to answer because I'm on that side. But, but you're on that side, so you're going to have to protect that I'm side. I'm on this side, so I've got to try and protect it. Give me a second. So all I can say to that is, um, look, we want you to make be profitable business. We don't want small business to go under. Yeah, uh, small business is what Australia is built on, and we and we we support small business all the way. However, at the moment, we just need you to follow those guidelines 
um, that we've given. I know it's been a hard time. We've done everything within our power to try and help you to stay afloat. We just need you to uh, hang in there for a, a little bit longer and we're, we're going to come through this on the other side together. Yeah. Okay, so here's the spin, right, Chris? Anything that happens after however is their agenda. Yeah, right. Isn't it? So everyone will say to you things like, I understand this, I understand that, however. Just like the sales guy that sits in front of an owner would say, I understand that they use a microsite, I understand it. However, however that's just a gimme. That is <laughs> what what that is the agenda they right. are about to push into. Right. Absolutely. And and so people have to really pay attention. I do you know I, I keep on saying the same thing in like a broken record. I cannot understand how family spent years of sacrifice saving for a deposit. But then when it comes to selling their home, they just take the words of a real estate agent as if it was gospel. Yeah. Without using judgment, without sitting there and having the logic, assessing the information. Did this guy, did this lady show consistency in her message from the beginning to the end? That is one way already to unspin a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right? People need to really sit down and stop listing. They have to start... Um, Analyzing. Yes. Which is a little bit like that line, you know, stop wanting to have more. Start loving what you already have. But anyway, man, so that's the, a bit of a the, uh, double standard right now that is happening that people are talking about in restaurants and, and things uh, that, uh, that are really suffering in the business world out there. Now, to unspin it or to go the other hand uh, or the other side, I probably would say that this was going to happen no matter what. Yeah. And so either the government was going to allow them to go with it or really have a lot of smash windows. And by going with it, they uh, managed to sit down and talk to the leaders or the organizers to say, all right, we're going to give you two hours, all right? And let's try and respect wherever you can the social distancing. And that was a compromise. That yes. And, and I think that, do you know what? This is the problem we, we have is that we live in a world of black and white. It's either black, white. Nobody really understands the entire world is gray, Right. People do not understand that black and white is exactly what George Floyd has suffered. Black and white kind of even thinking is what the world has gone through over the last two weeks. If the world really understood it's all about grey now, yeah. then maybe we can compromise certain place, we can do certain things. Here, here's the unspin thing. Why is it that when COVID started, restaurant, gym, public places, theatres and um, wedding planners, all of those things suffered first. Why didn't we all suffer at the same time? And if they suffered first, why didn't we do more for them? So all of those things could have been in the logic of thinking. Yeah, yeah. The, the public places, look, you look, look, big picture, you can see why those, those businesses were shut down first and why the government went in that first. But on the spin of it, then so why do you say that, why is it that everyone got the job keeper and everyone got the job seeker? Hey, let's... Let's help those who need it the most, yeah? Um, and not just buy votes with the masses by giving everyone the same amount. I think there was a lot of uncertainty at that time and even the government was unsure of how we're moving forward. There's no question that the restaurant business, gyms, hospitality, all of that has suffered. There's no question in that. I, but I didn't know that they were protesting. They were, the restaurants were going to protest. Is that right? Is that what you said? 
No, no, no. That's not what I said. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that the a lot of people now who run businesses right are yeah. saying, you know, we should go protest. We we should just open up. Right. Okay. Because they're pro- and not right. really care about all these fines. And right. 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 And, and so I think that we we need to also use judgment that they are not black and white. Yeah. And that's exactly the reason why the protest went ahead, is because I think the government knew that if they absolutely stopped it, the repercussions of stopping it were going to be way more severe than any possible outbreak. And then we would have possibly seen reflections of America. Um, Again, people with hidden agendas or just no agenda, just out there for themselves to do the wrong thing. Fortunately, it was kept fairly well as a tame uh, protest, which was good. I don't think there was any arrests during the protest. I think that the reason we want to talk about that spin is this. It could be spun around in two ways. You could spin it and say, have a look, double standards. Yeah. Right? Protests can go ahead, restaurants still close. Yeah. Or still have just 10 people at the same time in your in your establishment, which, by the way, is about two, in, two tables and a half. And then, on the other hand, you can go on the other side by spinning it and saying, have a look. They are so rigid about all these things that race still comes after COVID. So there's two ways really that we could spin it. Yeah. And depending on which side of the news you are, you're going to be spinning it your way. Now, as a, as a seller, as a buyer, always remember, salespeople have got the knack of spinning things. And you don't have to buy the spin. You're going to have to use the, your own logic and and catch yourself and know when they spin in you. Yeah. Right? For example, now let's talk about that border control that you've t- oh, been talking about. Yeah, Man, well. Queensland's talking about uh, opening now, maybe. June. In and July. Yeah, beginning of July, yeah. maybe. But over the last few weeks, they've been resisting all of this. And they've been saying August, August, September. Yeah. Now, what's the spin on that? I mean, do you, and there's a, a couple of different ways you can go. Uh, what's the name? Anastasia Palace. Is that his, is Palaché. that how you say her last name? Yeah, I thought it was Palashuk, but it's Palashuk. Palashuk. They're up for um, elections, like state elections, in the end of this year, October, November. State elections are coming up. So is she spinning it, spinning it to the fact that I'm going to put my foot down? People are going to see how strong I am and how much of a decisive leader I am in this state that. There's a possible outbreak in any other state. I can spin it in my favour. Is that one way? Is it a small thing on the back end because there's two female prime, uh, premiers between New South Wales and Queensland? Is it a bit of posturing between the two of them? Because one wants it to open, the other one says, no, piss off, I'm not opening. Yeah. So is it a bit of posturing between the two of them? Um, is it a bit of posturing on her side again because I know that the federal ministers are putting pressure on her? And she's giving pushback there as well. So she's trying to show that she's a very tough person for right. her job at the end of the year. Right. So, uh, and they are, the other one I've got to, we've got to look at though is this. WA's not opened up. South Australia's not opened up. But we don't worry about those because they're not one of our trading borders. Well, Queensland, is she protecting her, is she just protecting her um, state and waiting for that 28-day turnaround to make sure there's no new cases Within New South Wales or Northern Territory, to say, okay, well, it's safe to open up. Let's 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 go with the uh, the, the um, feedback from the National Health Minister. So there's a lot of different angles you can come with yeah. just that one. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of spins here. Uh, 
Personally, for me, it is fantastic that it's not open. Uh-huh. Right? Here's my spin. There's more traffic from New South Wales to Queensland in July, right? Than the other way around. So for us to have the borders closed, it means that the people who really want to leave their home and go and enjoy a bit of life, they're going to have to really stay interstate. So I think that if I was to spin it, I'd say this is fantastic for New South Wales. We are going to keep New South Wales money in New South Wales. Which, by the way, I went, I told you I went up to the Central Coast on the weekend, and it was chock-a-block. Wow. Yes, you, you would walk into a winery, they would make you wait. Thank God I'm a member to with almost everyone up there. Therefore, <laughs> I, I only had to wave the uh, member's badge for them to make an exception. But then... Here's another thing. Here's another spin that now I would do. So there's so many ways you can spin things that this is what salespeople do to people. This is how I would spin it with, with her. Most of the taxes that comes from New South Wales is going to your smart states to keep your life. Do you know what? We're going to keep that border closed too. So we're going to keep those GST taxes this time to feed our people because in the way that was, she was talking I think she made a huge mistake is that it was when she was talking about her people it was her people yeah. I thought it was Australians yeah. right no it was her people the smart states versus New South Wales since when do we have different passports that's an amazing thing <laughs> right. how could you say something like this yeah. now here's another spin she is a labour leader Right? Yep. She pushed for border closure. And yet, from the New South Wales Department, the Labour government, oh, oh, sorry, the Labour federal is okay with the opening. So, what, what are we doing? Here's another spin. We have our Prime Minister setting an entire agenda. And he's now been, he's now spent the last two months begging for premiers to reopen their borders. It's like a president asking governors. And I think that there, you, you may be right. That there's a little bit of arm wrestling here yep. where the governor knows elections coming at the end of the year and I just want to make sure I win my base. I want to be the tough premier. I want to be the premier that's in favour of Queensland, not yep. the rest of Australia. Queensland yep. comes That's first. right. It's exactly what the Victorian premier did when he deal with China. All right, let's talk about that That's one. That's another man. one. I'm telling what you. What are you talking about there, man? He, he, um, he's, gone, he's gone and um, signed. Well, there's a bit of history on this agreement. So it's called the... Um, Belt and Roads Initiative. Right, Belts and Roads Initiative. Yeah. This actually comes from the Silk Road. The yeah. history on this comes from the Silk Road, yeah, right? Yeah, so we're yeah. talking centuries and centuries ago is when China wanted to get their produce out and wanted to get new stuff in, right? Yeah. They, they wanted their economy to grow. And this, we're talking about... Thousands of years ago. Yeah. So this is where it's named from. He, he's he been thrown under the bus a little bit, I think, by a, a few different parties here. Yeah. Um, going, you know, he, he went against our suggestions and so forth and so forth. 2017, the uh, Federal Foreign Affairs Minister, Minister agreed with the Belt and Roads. Um, 2018, um, the Australian Prime Minister agreed with the Belt and Roads. Now, he's gone and, and signed an agreement, which is not legally binding. He's just signed an agreement with China to say, we're going to allow you to submit uh, to win 
work to build roads and infrastructure within our state. Um, on the flip side of that, you're going to allow us into China to submit for winning infrastructure within China, whether it's bridges or whatever it is. So it's a bit of a flip. So he has then basically guaranteed, and he's since he's been in power, I believe it's 62%, which has increased the exports to China. 62% increased the exports to China from Victoria since he's been in power. Now, he's a premier. He's got one job to do, is make sure Victoria is successful. Now, this, I think the spin has come from the, sta- from the federal government rather than the, from the states because they've said he's done the wrong thing. There's one a document that's put forward saying maybe the Belts and Roads is not a great sort of initiative to get into yeah. where previous people have said, yep, yeah, it's fine, we support it. He's gone and supported it to a non-binding, non-legally binding agreement and he's been thrown under the bus for it. Well, right, here's a spin. Why doesn't he then show... The agreement. He's refused to show the agreement. If what you have is non-binding, it doesn't have anything to hide. Why mm-hmm. don't you show it? Mm-hmm. Here's another spin. Why did you have to break the law? I mean, if I was to do something and not show the Foreign Investment Review Board, I mean, they have a different organization do that, but then it wouldn't be accepted. And here, he's bypassed that. So there's plenty of spin uh, that everyone's getting I, I would like us to go into a different spin. Yeah. If our Prime Minister, who I don't know why, put his hand up first to say, we want to be the first country to propose an investigation into COVID in China and how it originated yep. after COVID, why would you want to be the first country anyway, who by the time he's done this now has got the Bali uh, tax increase has got a lot of things now restricted, has got telephone calls to China that are going unanswered. Really, what is it saying about China? Do you really want to do business with a trading partner that when it's not happy, it's going to decide to just bully you and do whatever it wants and use its state media to propagate a lot of things. For example, one of the things I read this morning and made me laugh, that is, don't go to Australia and study. Holy shit, mate. Going to Australia and study, that's that's a great opportunity, mm-hmm. right? You've got every bit of advancement over here in order to really learn properly. But don't go there, and yet every Chinese student, now maybe it's fake news, over here are saying, no, we, we believe it's the best thing you could do. We have not experienced any racism here. And so this is, this is the issue. So on one side, I hear you. <coughs> As a premier, he wants to look after Victoria. Yep. <coughs> His GST is going to look after Palacio and, and <laughs> Queensland anyway. <laughs> but is it okay to just go outside protocol? Is it okay to do that with a country that on a push of, of a button can stop things? can impose tax because you're doing something they don't like. That's but, a spin. Okay, but he, but he's, he's not doing the thing that the, the, federal, the Australian government, I think, could possibly, on their side, spin it to their favour saying, at this moment, China's the bad guy, right? We're all been locked down because of this COVID. Everyone's saying it's originated in China. 
So the government's jumped on that and possibly spin it to say, well, he's gone and stepped outside the lines. We don't agree with what he's done. He should have gone through us. We're going to make him look like the bad guy and gaining popular popularity through that decision and, and throwing him under the bus, so to speak. I'm not saying what he did was a right or wrong thing. I'm saying the Australian government could twist that in their favour as well. Um, to say, at the moment, there's this uh, um, dissent towards China about what's happened and every, the economic, economic downturn. So let's play on that. Let's use that to let's spin that to our advantage um, on, on the decision. No, but let's spin it. Let's spin it, Chris, so that so that we can share the spinning. Let's say that you say that Daniel Andrews didn't do anything wrong. He was looking after his people. Look, I don't. I don't know. And if, I'm going to go the opposite. Okay, yeah, okay. Let's, I don't. I don't know if he um, was asked to. So you're saying to me he was asked to reveal the documents? Yeah. And he didn't. No. Okay. And he was asked questions by uh, uh, reporters to whom he did not answer because he didn't like the uh, things that they wrote about him beforehand. Okay. Yeah, well, that's his own spin on um, getting his ego hurt and uh, sounds like a bit of a Trump re- reprisal there. But no, uh, man, he's, he's very far from Trump. Don't worry. He's, he's still a nice guy. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> good. Um, look, I... I I understand his mindset of it and, and um, the spin that he's got on it with everyone else. I, the interviews that I've seen, and he was directly asked, um, you went and went, you went against direct instruction on not to enter into agreements, and he said, "That's false. That's not. That's absolutely not true. I wasn't told that." Then to say that he wasn't sharing the documents that he signed as well. No, he didn't reveal the contract. Okay. He didn't. You know, he, he, here's my things for the against. So I spin it against you. Sri Lanka went into that Roden Belt initiative and they built the, um, the airport yep. with Chinese funds. And for some reason, so I won't tell you the reason, because I don't know. <laughs> for some reason, Sri Lanka defaulted yep. on that loan mm-hmm. to the Chinese. And the Chinese took over the airport. Now have a 99-year lease on how to run it and yep. how to make profit out of this. Yep. I don't believe that you know there's there's any way that Australia is going to uh, not honor a contract from one of their states because we're way bigger than than just Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka right. in terms of budget. Right. But here is the issue: is that when you can't repay the loan that you get from China, they'll take over. Well, there's no, there's no doubt, there's no question the fact that China has an ulterior motive. They have a spin on everything they want to do, and it's gone away from where they were, where I talked about this Belt and Road Initiative started centuries ago. It's gone way past that. And they are these countries that are third world countries, um, they're coming in, and they are taking over ports and airports and so forth, um, and they've done it to a number of countries. There's other countries within their borders that are pushing back quite strictly. So like, uh, I know India and their shared borders between China and um, India through the Himalayas is very contested. Uh, I know the fact that the Philippines have got some issues with China as well on the South China Sea, as well as you would know Vietnam has, and has for a long time. China has their ulterior motive with what they're doing. There's no question to it. They don't have any ulterior motive. Mate. Their motive is blatant. They have 1.3 billion people that who, who need to grow and find more land. <laughs> and that's right. That's that's the thing. They need to feed a nation. They need to feed a nation, and they need to grow. And they need they will be a superpower, or they are a superpower. But I think it'll go past America, go past Russia. China will be the next superpower, and I think that's what they're heading for. And the spin that they're doing with 
I think it's a misdirection. COVID's been a misdirection for what they've been doing in different parts of the world. So how do we get out of the spin that's happening right now with that this China business? Yeah, again, education, educating yourself. I mean, I don't think the masses will are willing to do it. Personally, I truly believe that Australia now is going to have to start relying on itself a bit more. I think it's time that Australia is talking about Australia made, but not Australia made back in the days of Dick Smith because the poor man, he was trying to sell the right message, but he was fighting a message that was impossible. Yeah. Let's imagine you and I were in business and you fabricating an item from China. And I am trying to fabricate that same item in Australia. But because I'm in Australia, there's so much more red tape and there's so much more cost on my back. There's no way I can compete with you. You come with your product over there and what happens? I mean, I, I, I've spoken to business people who would travel to the end of Thailand just to get a discounted product so they can bring it back and sell. Yeah. So I, I understand what... They, what people would do to make a bag. So here is the issue. I now make that product for 10 bags. You come back with that same product, but it's for five bags. Which dump family is going to keep on buying? Not once, because everyone can go out there and do Australia made once. Yeah. But which dump family will go out there and do it year in, year out? Yeah. Which family would spend twice what it would cost somebody else because of honor and pride and protecting. So I, I think that what we need to really be doing, and we need to do it now, rather than spend all our times into trying to come up with gimmick of keeping the kindergarten open or keeping people uh, more on JobKeeper a yeah. little bit longer. Let's stop this, all of this crap. Yeah, We need to now decide about strengthening our industry. And our primary industries, let's make sure that the, the cost of electricity is cheaper for the whole country. What does it mean? Let's build it first. Yep. We have let's, the resources. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let's make our, all of our things cheap at first. I mean, the, the, the reason why our dollar is higher for the moment is our primary resource, we're still giving it away. And you know what? The Chinese did that with themselves. And the fact that when we they, we pissed them off saying we want an inquiry to the uh, COVID, they've gone, well, we're putting an 80% tariff on your barley. And then they've gone to bloody America and bought it off America for the price that they wanted to buy. So why can't we do the same? Why, why can't they? Well, if you want to import something from China, that's fine. Put a tariff on it. Then support the local businesses um, and get the infrastructure happening in Australia. The industry, the infrastructure. I, I just don't know, um, Chris, maybe because we get at least $120 billion in terms of income from China. Mm. So that's why maybe we can't go out there and put all of these taxes because what the moment we do this, it's going to be tit for tat. Yep. And like Gandhi says, an eye for an eye will make the world go blind. blind yep. So I, I can't explain it, but I think that rather than wasting our energy into fighting other countries. Let's focus on making this country great. There's so much over here that we can do. Well, we, we spoke about the, the last podcast when a company in Australia that used to make a certain numbers of masks for our hospitals and can turn around and do something like 30 times that in just a few months, 30 times what they used to do in a year. That's huge. Why can't we do it? Mm. 
But in order to get that company to do 30 times the number of masks that they do in a year, which is 60 million, I think, in two months rather than 2 million in a year. Wow. I mean, they had to cut through a lot of red tape. Yeah. No more of that shit about having to check on this, check on that, and you had to go to council and get this, and, and then you had to get that stamp, and you stop all that crap. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that that's the spin that we're going to have to stop on our people. If we do this, let's forget about talking about what other countries are doing. <laughs> we, we can really do it here. But really, right now, which imbecile of a businessman would spend his money creating things here? When he knows that the guy next door is going to go to a different country, create it, and come back with a product that's going to be half the price. You yeah. tell me. Yeah. Moving forward, though, I think that China's got to watch out because I think the next um, manufacturing giant will be India. As many people and uh, their industry is already starting to take off with a lot of things. So I think China's got to be careful that they don't start losing a lot of that um, cheap manufacturing to India itself. Yeah, well, you know, that's China's move. I, you, I, you, can't, you can't really worry about other people's move. True. I think we need to worry about our move. Yep. And in the spin... It's what we need to be doing. We need to know when we are being used. Yep. Australia needs to really have different trading partners, just not one pool where we put all our eggs in the same basket. What we need to be doing is, yes, you have a diversity. And really, the diversity cannot start until we do things from here first. Yep. You know, we, we charity has to start from home. When I see that our farmers are struggling. When I see that the milk producers are counting on that 10 cents per litre in order to survive. Are you serious? Man, they're going to have to be better than this. That's crazy. If we can't really look after that, if our government, who, who's ready to spend billions and billions of dollars in crap, it's not really using some of that billions in order to make sure that those primary, primary uh, resources are looked after first, then we've got no chance, man. If we don't look after our, our foundation, yes, we're going to have to end up going everywhere. And I think that, you know, if there's one thing that um, Donald Trump's done well was to really get a lot of the, the U.S. companies to go back home. Yeah. Right? I, I think that through his message, he has really sent a very strong message for a lot of American companies to really uproot themselves from a lot of overseas plans and come home. Why can't we do it? I mean, that is something that he's done well. There's, there's definitely a, uh, you've always, there's it, it, a general feel that the Americans are, are a lot more patriotic, generally speaking. And that's a feel. I don't know if it's from the movies we watch or, or whatever it is, but you see a lot more American flags thrown out the front, the front of homes and so forth than you ever do in Australia. But we do know, like, come Anzac Day, everyone's out there in support and so forth. But getting that spirit and, and the government utilizing it and supporting that small business in that sense be perfect yeah Let, let's have a look at your second wine man all right just finishing off the last class mm. of the first one what do we got today i love that chili seriously that is just Told you, crazy man. how good is it with the cheese mm. i bought him a small bottle it's half done <laughs> halfway mm. to go it's good huh well we can't leave this room until the jar is gone <laughs> you know that. i think charlotte will have the shits with you because she apparently she likes the chili jam as well but look, I've got a, um, I've got a Cab Shiraz, uh, 2010, and it's a Wolf Blast Grey label. 
Uh, I did a little bit of research on Wolf Blast. They're actually a fairly young company in comparison to a lot of the uh, wines we've been drinking. Wow. 1966, um, a, a young guy, he was in, um, in Germany, and his parents said, you either go back to school or you become a winemaker. So he spent three years in France learning how to make um, champagne. Then he spent uh, a few years in London learning how to blend. And then he decided to either move to Australia or Vienna. Uh, not Vienna, uh, Venezuela. He came to Australia, 1966, he opened up his winery. And uh, so it's a fairly young winery uh, in the Barossa Valley again, uh, South Australia. I actually called them I, on the way here. I thought I'd give them a ring. And they had a number on their website. I thought I'd give them a ring. Ask a few more questions. Actually still closed because of COVID. Oh, really? Still COVID. Their, their message on the phone, you know, due to COVID, our, our information, our visitor centre is closed and so forth. So they're actually still closed down. But... Uh, Let's see how we go. Um, I don't buy a lot of Wolf Blast, but um, I, I saw it was a, a 2010. It was reasonably priced, so I thought I'd grab this one today. Reasonably, meaning for 2010, it's below 50, right? So you, you got the receipt to prove it. So I do. So we, we've got the rule that's got to be below $50. Yep. It was $49.99. Wow. <laughs> okay. Cabernet Shiraz. Let's try this. So a blend of two grapes. Mm. Excuse me. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's okay. Good. Okay, I think I'm going to have more salamis now. <laughs> that salami is bloody wow, amazing. Wow, this is nice. Grey Label, Wolf Blast, Langhorn Creek, Cabernet Shiraz 2010. So really nice. And you just open it. That's a, that's a crazy thing. Like, I thought in 2010, you would want it to breathe a bit. That's amazing. I, the research I did, the, the grapes I use on this wine actually comes from two vif- different regions in, in the Barossa. Right. They bring them into the, uh, um, the vineyard and, and, they, and they create the grapes from there. So, good wine. Anyway, mate, I, th- I think that there's a big subject uh, f- this last few weeks th- that really uh, have gone by because of what's happened in America with George Floyd, and that is Donald Trump versus Twitter and social media. Oh, man. That's unreal. Seriously. How did he get into power in the first place? I mean, I know he can run a business... Obviously, he proved that by becoming a, a billionaire, right? True? No? I, don't, I don't know. I haven't checked. I, I, I'm still yet to, I'm yet to see his tax return. Unbelievable, mate. The guys, I don't know. Well, for business-wise, I, I think the guy seems seems to be on the surface, seems to be a, a genius when it comes to business. When it comes to running a country, there was a yeah, 75-year-old guy that was pushed over in the street. Yeah, it was by two police... Right. Yep. It was the, and you know what? They were enforcing lockdown. 8 p.m. curfew. Yeah. They're enforcing that. They're walking through the street telling everyone, go home. Here's the gentleman standing in the way, 75 years old. They push him. He cracks his head on the side, sidewalk. And you can see the blood gushing out of his head onto the, onto the pavement, onto the footpath. And then Thomas at... <laughs> Thomas... <laughs> then Trump. No, I know what you think of me, man. <laughs> and then Trump pipes up and says, "Oh, the push wasn't that hard, really." The guy learnt nothing over the last two weeks. No, but the push wasn't that hard. Oh, he, the guy's seventy-five, man. I understand, but the push wasn't that hard. Oh, come on! You've seen two sumo fighting each other. That's a push. They're getting paid to do that, and they get fed to do it as well. I understand, but this it guy look and look like he hadn't been fed in a fortnight. Yes, but the pushing wasn't that hard. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the uh, devil's advocate for the other side. I can see right? that. Because we, we're doing the spin, okay? So it wasn't that hard. And you could tell, you could see the, 
that the gentleman did not move his leg fast enough. He's 75 years of age. Yeah, Guys, no, but maybe you he... are trained police force. You are trained officers. You are you've, you're in full riot gear with batons, helmets, and you've got to push a 75 year old. Seriously? Well, we told him. Do you go home to and go bash home. your missus as well? We told him to go home. He didn't listen. What do you do? You know what? There's other ways to handle it, guys. Seriously. Yeah, how would how would you do that? Well, not putting your knee on his neck and, and getting two of your mates to kneel on him at the same time. That's definitely not the way. But uh, oh, I think it's... Uh, lucky he didn't die. I think lucky he didn't die. There would have been a huge uprising then as well. Yes, should he have been there? No, I don't agree. He shouldn't have been there. He should have abided by the rules. But we're getting our police force, like we said last podcast... Better people make better all blacks. Mm-hmm. We need to be, have better training within those forces. Yeah, I, I understand your point, but we have a gentleman who's 75 in front of us. He's not moving. What we do with him, we show the rest of the protesters about our message here. We're here to reestablish order. If we don't do it with him and push him back a bit, and if you looked at him, he did not move his foot back fast enough. He's 75. How fast do you want him to be? Just a bit faster. (laughs) (laughs) So so he didn't. And so, yeah, okay, accident happens. Shit happens when you're trying to make a point. I think you can make a point an intelligent way or you can be a bully. But I understand. And and here's a spin. I'm in the police. I'm here to follow orders. If you watch the video, one of the policemen who pushed actually felt so bad that he wanted to stop because he saw the blood coming, yeah. rushing, gushing out straight yeah. away. So he wanted to stop. And his superior said to him, no, keep moving. Yeah. Right? So and, and then he and his mate, the, these two guys, uh, got uh, removed from the force. Here's another thing. 50, I think 57 of their colleagues... Firefighters as well. ...resigned. Uh, so at the court hearing, it was... Uh, it was surrounded by firefighters and uh, police officers in support of their two colleagues. And I understand it was an accident, and it was. There was no intent for those two officers and, and any treatment of those officers anyway near to the guys who did um, uh, George Floyd yeah. would be unfair. Um, that, and that's the fair. They did not mean for that gentleman to be hurt at all. Yeah. Um, and and there's, that's what I'm getting at is Trump's response to it. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is Trump has made a, a unfortunate situation way worse than it has. So what is the spin that uh, Donald Trump has for the moment? Oh, he's, I think his spin is the fact that uh, police have to do well their job and, you know, um, a little bit of shoving, t- uh, uh, a little bit of rough business is okay. We, we need to get a job done and we need to protect, protect our police force at the same time. Okay. So he's on message. Yep. Right. And anytime that he can find something that actually can detract from the Bible waving act, <laughs> it has to be done. Correct. True. All right. So, trying to go back to now, why is he taking on Twitter? You think? Yeah. The, look, when it comes to Twitter, as um, the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dempsey, he's he's only stepped in really into the public light for this Trump controversy. I know Mark Zuckerberg has stepped away from it and said whatever Trump puts on his Facebook page is up to Trump. Um, but this Jack, um, I think it's Dempsey or yep. Darcy, Darcy, Dempsey, Dempsey. Dempsey. 
um, has basically said that we will not. He's he's um, he's censoring Trump's Twitter's basically. Um, looting shot, looting starts, um, shooting starts. He's put that as glorified violence. When he says signs orders to uh, target social media, he's put that down as freedom of speech. And then he's gone um, on uh, the other ones about voting. I think it's voting via by mail. By mail. Yeah. About uh, Trump said something. He goes, "You need to fact check what he actually said." Uh, and I believe, from what I understand, he's he's never done that before. So is it a spin on Jack Dempsey going the other Jack Dorsey? S- sorry, Dorsey. Jack Dorsey. Yeah. Going the other side, going I actually support the, the, his opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot. This comes back to our media outlets because you can look at it where these places like social media we believe should be neutral. Yeah. True. They never. But we know now, realizing I think a lot of people are realizing now that they may be not as neutral as we would believe, and I think that's the spin that. Uh, Dempsey's putting on it is that he's getting more, going more for the opposition. Um, I think Trump was also possibly going on the side of, well, you know what? Any publicity is good publicity. And they are fueling his fire. I I couldn't even at the moment tell you the name of his opposition. Who's he's in the elections in five months, six months? Who's he going up against? Joe Biden. There you go. He's been all but silent. And I think. Trump is using this social media to his advantage. And his spin on is grabbing any information. Let's get people upset. Let's get people talking about Trump. Because when they're at the uh, the polls, well, we'll have a clear winner. Yeah, I think that for the moment, um, Donald Trump is really talking to his base. Yep. And so the spin is this. I, I really don't care what you think about my message. My message wasn't intended to be for you. It was intended to be for my base. Because if I get my base, all I have to do is to win a few independent overs. And I've won. I think it's a very smart strategy. Yep. You know, when you do a strategy in order to win certain things, that is to just make sure that your base is listening to you and you just need a little bit of hesitation from the other camp to win over a certain number of people. Yeah. Plus you understand the college electoral system a bit better. Then you're gonna have you're gonna have um, uh, probably a brownie. So in a sales position, in a sales situation, when a, a a salesperson sits in front of mum and dad, what they can do is they can focus all their selling onto one person, win that base, the base that's really buying them. So it's if if you connected with mum, just sell to mum, and all you have to do is because mum is going to sway dad anyway, yep. and all you have to do is to get enough of that to win it. A salesperson who's trying to win both is not going to make it. Yep. And so that's the kind of spin that we wanted to talk about, which is really that for the moment, Donald Trump has used Twitter. To his advantage. From the, from the morning to when he goes to bed. Yep. Yeah. And now that Twitter is starting to change, absolutely, if I was in Donald Trump's situation, I'd do the same, which is you, I will destroy you. Because the minute I destroy you, if you're going to stop me again, I can tell my base that you were fake news. Yep. But if you do not stop me and do the bit that I want because now I have scared you, then I've still won. Either way, I win. Absolutely. He's playing a very smart game. You know, and, 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 and people are not really getting the, the question. And the question is that someone asked him, why don't you just get off Twitter? If you don't like someone or you don't like something, wouldn't that make sense for you not to play with? But he knows he can't. 
Absolutely. He knows that that his way of communicating to his base, right? And mate, his base is weird. Whatever he does is right. <laughs> you know, dad, l- my father loves Trump like Trump is the next thing after God. Yep. I've had many discussion with that where I ask him just look at facts. Because that is not about you or it's not about the person you like. It's about the next generation, the repercussion into the generation that is after my generation. Because for the moment you have a look, everything is insecure, insecure yeah. everywhere. Things are unstable everywhere. I think your father would have a lot more insight to that than a lot of people in, in, for the future generations because he's been quite... Dad's how old now? 90. Wow. Right. So he's got a lot more insight than the majority of us, okay? And he's seen generations pass and see the repercussions of different political regimes, okay? So I can see he's foreseeing picture and so forth. I can understand his point of view. But for Donald, the majority of Donald Trump's base, I don't believe they've got that insight. I don't believe they have that, that forethought of what's going to happen after this. It's about right now. What's in it for me? What do you call it? W-I-F-M. That's it. What's in, in it, it for me? me. Yep. And I think that's what they're looking at at the moment. And he's playing to that very, very well. And I think it's coming down with social media. We're seeing the division in media. They're starting to put the spin on it. So we've got Fox and NBA, um, and, um, and CNN. CNN, thank you. Um, now I think we're getting the, the division between Twitter and Facebook. Well, Facebook is... Zuckerberg's been quiet, man. Yeah, but Zuckerberg is having some trouble too because um, Zuckerberg's got now a bit of a right within his own ranks. He had to come out and say certain things, but Mark, and and this is why I love studying human nature. Mark, if you look at the way that he's created Facebook up until now, Mark is always about looking after Mark first. And Mark's loyalty is to Mark first, nobody else. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that there's anybody else but Mark first. And so for the moment, the survival, the freedom that uh, Facebook has in order to win is first. I mean, I think that Mark's uh, original vision that was to connect the whole world together was quite nice. But now it is about the world domination through paid advertising. Yeah. So it has shifted. And for Mark, the continuation of world paid advertising is very, very important. So then on the spin of things, wouldn't Mark Zuckerberg be looking towards a government that would connect with China to allow the release of uh, Google and Facebook within China? Because they're not allowed to have it, right? No. For Mark, it doesn't really matter. It's about the survival of its freedom, whatever happens. And he knows, should the uh, left wing come into power, he's fine (laughs) because they're not going to touch it. But it's the right wing that really is dangerous to Mark. And so uh, for him just to piss in their pocket, it's, it's meaningful. Yeah. So that's his spin on it. So I I think it's a big spin. Life is all about spin. And, and people don't get it. Uh, people who sit down and think that they have an opinion. And, and like I said la- in the last podcast, the biggest problem with today's society is that is when people take opinion as fact. Yeah. 
We, I, I, I read about a guy who went on to our Wine and Wisdom podcast and started a debate uh, about uh, the racism and, right. and what was wrong. And, and I could see his point. But his opinion. I, I, I could see that his point was just an opinion. Yeah. He, he wasn't debating facts. Yeah. And so I said to Cam, because poor Cam was trying to get back to this guy and make sense. And I said to Cam, when you try to debate opinions, you never win. Because opinions belong to the person yep. who shut it, you know? So if you want to debate facts, it's possible. Yeah. But intelligent discussions do not go around opinions. We're in, I, I think it, uh, a good conversation. Come on, mate, some more. Some more wine here, mate. Yeah. There's the two of us, but <laughs> the two of us That's why we've only got two bottles, not three bottles this time. <laughs> Look, I've, I've, in saying that, I think a good conversation can go around opinions. I think we just need to, and I think this is a, a lost ability, is people need to understand that others are allowed their opinion. It's my spin on it. I grew up in an Italian household, and I think I've mentioned this on a podcast before, where we would share our opinion and we would argue our opinion. But the other person was allowed to have their opinion. And when we left that table, your opinion was yours, and we saw still all loved each other. But I don't believe. Look, I don't believe that that young Aboriginal man spitting in the face of an officer is right. I think he that didn't is, spit on him. I believe he threatened him and he spat on him. He didn't spit on okay, him. Apparently, he, he threatened him. Okay, okay. He threatened him. That's not right. He's a police officer. He holds a position of authority. He should be respected. I also don't believe it's right that you sweep someone's feet from under them to get them on the floor. When both their hands are behind You're the handcuffed back. behind the back. So that's that's my opinion. The facts are there are more people that are um, unfortunately dying in incarceration that are um, of, uh, you know... Aboriginal Torres Strait background than uh, the white, obviously, um, background and so forth. So that's an unfortunate thing. Um, th- at the end of the day, as you said, I think we need to uh, allow each other to have opinions, but then listen to the facts of the story. Yeah. I, I think that the, uh, first of all, the uh, just want to make clear the, the young uh, Aborigines did not have handcuffs. Okay. So he just put his hand behind his back. He wasn't in handcuffs. No, the handcuffs are happened after he okay. fell. But the, the the big question for me uh, are two. Number one, for that person to go, for example, and discuss opinions, I, I have no problem. Discuss it, but don't spin it. And and the way that he spun it was, oh, I I didn't sign up for this. I was going to talk. I thought it was real estate. So it was not about the changing the spin into a different kind of conversation. Mm. For me, it was very much about the fact that you have a discussion. The discussion could have been spun in two ways. Yeah. And my spin could be, do you know, day in, day out, how many, h- how much abuse pol- the police is getting? Mm-hmm. How would you feel, I mean, unless you work undercover, how would you feel going to work and because of your uniform, people say, they look at you, and you can almost read the words on their lips, right? You pig, you bastard, die. Do you know? I, yeah. How would you feel? Yeah. So that young inspector, how would you feel knowing what he's been through in terms of abuse himself? How much do we put to this? And so when he heard this young 
guy coming up with this kind of swearing under the protection that he was a younger person. Yeah. And how how much is that is triggering in you? Yeah. In terms of anger. Yeah. And it take a big man to control themselves um, in that situation. Yeah. Well, you know, listen. Policeman if, or not policeman. Listen. If it doesn't take a big man, then you tell me why uh, two women a week are still dying in Australia because of domestic violence. Yeah, that's unacceptable. unacceptable. You know, yeah, you, we 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 talking about the police. Yes, I understand. I said it last week, and I said again. The majority of police is nice. I mean, I look at my brother. I'm the first guy to want to arrest people. I think I'm more right wing than a lot of people would think. <laughs> Where my brothers, he'd say, "No, Thomas, why would you do this? I mean, it's no point. It's they, they, the, 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 the jail in Brussels, chock a block, mate. They, they're gonna be walking the street next week." Yeah. Whereas I am more uh, of the kind of person who believe that if you've done wrong, you're going rot. And, and so this, this is the question. Why would a person uh, like that policeman be blamed if we don't know his circumstance? You know, and, and I think that there is a bit of a situation with the George Floyd situation that has been milked into a lot of countries around the world. I, I, I think that before you can demonstrate the same level, go and live as a black person in America for a week first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go and work as a policeman in an area where there's more uh, uh, African-American in America yep. first. Yep. When you've done that, then it's no problem. When you have walked, what is it they say? When you walk for a mile in the other person's shoes. Then you can talk. And I think that's you, you're spot on there, Thomas. And I think a lot of people are forgetting the fact that a lot of the police, police officers have lived this day in, day out. This is not a one-off event for a lot of them. This is a day in, day out, a common occurrence for them. Um, getting that hatred for wearing a uniform, just for putting on a, a uniform uh, and trying to do their best for the the community when they come into a situation, and I think we mentioned in our last podcast, when they come into a situation where they're outnumbered um, and it's the people that are outnumbering them that may generally be the ones that are the perpetrators, I've got to look at things to protect myself. And unfortunately, they don't have the luxury of taking their time to really assess the situation before they act. They need to act, make sure everything's secure, and then make a decision moving forward from there. It's a very difficult situation. I think that there's a lot of spins uh, that can go around that. Unfortunately for all of us, or fortunately for all of us, I think that George Floyd is going to be a huge pivotal moment in all of our lives. Like probably uh, Martin Luther King was for the generation before us. I think that this one death here, George Floyd's death, is going to be a change for a lot of us. Now, how long that change will last... Uh, that's up to what we put into law, what we really apply, and really the uh, change in human psyche. Again, I come back to I believe that I, I believe human nature is very short, have, have very short memories. Um, we can go back and and look at Rodney King. The same, basically identical thing happened with Rodney King. The in only 1992, difference, was it? Right. Yeah. And the only difference was there was a lot more police officers involved in Rodney King. I yeah. think there was, there, I think there was 12, 11, okay, yeah. 11 police officers involved then. Yeah. And and he was beaten to death um, and for no other reason than a traffic violation. And there was riots and shootings and so forth and uh, looting and all that happened back then. Uh, but up until today, 
until what's happened now with George Floyd, has really anything been heard of Rodney King? No, because things come and go. And that's it. That's what I'm saying. People have short memories. And I think we'll go through the same cycle and it'll eventually happen again. We will be talking about this. Uh, I don't I don't hope. I hope it doesn't happen again. I hope oh, things change every now and then. If it wasn't for Martin Luther King, maybe you wouldn't have a Barack Obama. It's true. So things do change. But beneath the surface of that change, things may be the same. You know, sometimes the current above the water show a lot of change and a lot of waves and yep. uh, right? But really deep down the water and still 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 <laughs> not yep. moving left or right, isn't it? That's true. That's true. I just don't know. I don't know if this is, and it comes not into with the George Floyd. It comes with the COVID. I'm a, I'm a strong believer that people have short memories. I'm a strong believer of that. People have short memories, and I'll be surprised if this lasts anymore. Here's the months. thing about here's about COVID now. For almost three months, everywhere in the world, especially Australia, we've paid attention to all these rules and regulations. Yep. And you know, since George Floyd. I see all of those regulations going out the window. Yep. It's as if the preciousness of human life was so important before that we would wreck an entire economy in order to make sure we save a few. That now, for the sake of a protest, really, we couldn't give a shit about a few. Human life now is cheap. The, the need, I, I don't know what it is for the moment, uh, you, and you may just uh, clarify this for me, Chris. Why is it that now... We all want to reopen everything as fast as we can. Who gives a shit about who dies? Put a spin on it. We, the world turns itself upside down for the death of one person. We all go into hiding for the death of hundreds of thousands. Oh, I like that. Okay. I think the spin the government's put on both sides of it, not only government but media, I think we are social, social beings and we want to be out. I mean, I know myself and you, as soon as we were allowed to have people over, I mean, I've entertained every weekend um, within, obviously, guidelines, but I've entertained it because that's the social being I am. I yeah. want to have family and friends and wine and drink and food. That's the, And I think majority of societies like that. We want, to enter, we want to be with each other. We need human contact. What is the old saying? Put someone to... Don't put someone into isolation. Uh, no, don't put them into solitude, but someone can go into isolation self-isolation but don't put them into solitude because yeah. it destroys a person and I think that's what we're getting at is people need that connection with people and we're willing to de- defy those boundaries now the government have put in place we're at a point where they aren't giving us clear instructions moving forward I think there's too many and we said it before there's too many grey areas at the moment some some governments are saying we're still locked down some governments are going let's open up they're all saying we're not travelling till the, at least the end of the year, so there's a, a certainty there. And I think there's that sense of certainty people are, are looking for from a lot of people. I don't know. Is, is, is it the southern governments, some states, some premiers are giving that certainty there to their, um, constitu- like their members? Constituents, yeah. Yeah, constituents. Uh, some, some people not getting that clarity from their premiers saying, you know, well, you can travel, but you can't travel there because they won't let you. Well, okay, well, can I travel? Well, if I can't travel, it means I can have people over. Well, <coughs> I don't know, man. I just want to tell you a secret. Right? That, that stays between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> but freaking Alex is uh, flying as we speak right now. He's, um, he's about to board a plane to go to Queensland 
and he's been writing to them in regards to a permit because he's got something he has to bring over there and they haven't answered. He's sent them four or five emails they have not answered. To who? To the government. Because apparently if you apply to the government for some special, under some uh, special circumstances, they will be okay for you to enter the, the country, you know? And he's been writing to them. Right? No so it's one thing to want to protect your people, but at least have the decency to return Australians' requests about things that really have to happen. And Bloody Alexander is about to sail from uh, the Gold Coast, unless he comes back tonight because they have rejected him. But he's about to sail from the Gold Coast to Sydney with a mate. The two of them are hopping on it, a, a boat. And Alexander, well, he does sail every night. And then he does one of those uh, kind of uh, dusk racing. But uh, he's about to do Brisbane to Sydney. And I told him, looking at the weather, I told him that it's not going to be nice, that you can't really mix Drink and sailing these days. Well, you can because you can throw up for no excuse. So, so there's no problem there as long as he's not right driving the boat. And, and so it, it's silly that people have to take the risk of being thrown back. You know, we're in the same country. I understand the trend, uh, the, 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 what's it, the crossing between New Zealand and Australia is something that we need to look at. Yeah. But serious, we in the <laughs> I mean, you, you look at it now, they've, they've, they've brought rugby league back. And the rugby league players are supposed to be uh, social distancing themselves from anyone outside of the rugby league circles. So how does it work when you're about a metre and a half from someone, they have to give you the ball or something? Well, no, within the, within the actual game, it's okay, obviously. <laughs> but this is where it was quite funny because just recently, I think it was Benji Marshall, uh, one of the guys kissed a reporter that he knew that was outside his circle. So he's been put in quarantine for two weeks now and can't play the next two week, next two no. games. Yep. So it's it's all well and good to be saying, yeah, we need to self-isolate. You know, where are we moving forward? We're going to bring sports back and so forth. But that's one instance that was captured on TV. What about the hundreds of incidences that are happening that we can't see? What about the hundreds of protesters? Again. And the, the politicians that went and supported the protest now have put himself in the self-isolation. And one of them, one of them I, I don't remember who it was, she said, no, I'm not putting myself in the self-isolation because it's uh, going against the advice from the health chief minister, chief wow. health minister. So it's, uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I think that uh, you and I, we can do as much spinning as we like. <laughs> uh, we are never going to run out of uh, topics because spinning's in everyone's life every day. That's yeah? true. I think that home sellers, buyers, uh, need to really be wary of spins. Happens every single day. And what we try to really do is to take topics that happens in everyday's life and show some of the spin. And through some of these spins, we hope to share with you what the kind of spin that could be used upon yourself. Should you know and be aware of how those spins happen when you can counter these spins? In the end, everyone, every salesperson is only going to go out there and put themselves up on the pedestal, not put themselves down. And if they are going to be exposed to some of their weaknesses, the only way they can save them is a spin. And you need to be aware of that. Yep, absolutely, man. Thanks very much for today, Big Oh, man. thank you, mate. Good talking to you. Talk to you soon. See you, man.